So friends, before we turn to our gospel reading for today, I want to invite you to listen for two things. The first is our United Church of Christ motto, which is tucked in the middle of this passage. I don't know if you can see this. This is our logo and motto, a sort of a crest. United Church of Christ, that they may all be one. I think you know that in 1958, four strands merged together to create the United Church of Christ, and this is what they chose to come back to again and again in the face of division, that we were to have unity instead of disagreements, so that they may all be one was front and center on everything that came out of the new UCC at that time. And this, again, is a stole with our, not the words, but the same image on it, which also with all of these beautiful rainbow colors, shows the beauty and the diversity. So listen for that, that they may all be one. And I also want you to listen. This is a prayer that Jesus is praying. I want you to listen for how his words, one commentator said, it's like a spirograph. Do you know how when children are drawing with those little uh, plastic tools that are almost like gears and they fit together. You put two together and as you start to draw, these circles circle around and around and around and double back on each other. And as we listen to the way Jesus prays, it evokes that same kind of spiraling and circling back imagery. So keep your ear attuned for that as we listen now for the word of God in Holy Scripture from the Gospel of John chapter 17, verses 6 through 19, which is the middle of this high priestly prayer. And I want you also to imagine that Jesus is at the table with his 12 disciples, and this is also his farewell address and prayer for them. He says, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know everything that you have given me is from you, for the words that you gave to me I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me, I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world." I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. 
As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. May God add a blessing to the reading and the hearing and the understanding of God's holy word. So in this prayer, Jesus is functioning as the high priest. And in this way, the writer of this gospel is trying to evoke Moses as standing, as intercessor in between the people and God, giving this intercessory prayer. Do you remember the story of Moses and the golden calf where the people have made an idol? They have done one of the very things God told them not to do, one of the things that cuts God's heart most deeply because God says, I am a jealous God. You may have no other gods before me. And then here they are in the wilderness, just out of the slavery he rescued them from, already making themselves a golden calf. And God is beside himself angry with the people. And Moses has to step in and give this intercessory prayer and beg God to spare the people And Moses reminds God of God's promises, and God relents. I have this childhood memory, very early, early memory. I think my sister, Hillary, um, who's not quite two years younger than I am, uh, we were maybe four and five or six, and we decided we had had enough of our usual outings, as we called them, where we would pack up a little tote bag and have a picnic under the dining table. That was our tradition. We would just have a little outing with little teeny boxes of raisins and hide under the dining table, and that seemed like an adventure. But one day, while our mother was tucking in our new baby sister into her crib upstairs, we decided it was time for a better adventure, and we ran away. Our neighbors, the Fulhams, we loved very much, and they had this massive tree in their backyard. I mean, I picture as a little girl, the swing that hung from it was almost like hanging as high as the top of this lantern so that when you're on the swing, you know, you go just so far you feel like you're flying. We used to love going down to that swing, but this time we went right through that neighbor's backyard and kept on going into the woods, and we had our little picnic of raisins and juice boxes out there beside a little pond. And fortunately, our neighbor, beloved, saintly Mr. Fulham had seen us traipsing through his backyard and he came out to find us and he brought us home. So he's bringing us back up the hill to deliver us home as our poor mother in a panic is starting to run down the hill looking for us. And she was beside herself with anger at what we had done betraying her trust like this and I know I can't remember exactly what punishment she was starting to level at us in her panic and fear of having lost her two little girls but she sent us into the house and I remember looking out the window and watching dear sweet Mr. Fulham intervening on our behalf interceding for us and he talked my poor mother down until she came into the house calm I don't know exactly what he said to her But he interceded for us. In our minds, the world actually wasn't a scary place. In my mother's mind in the mid-80s, I think you can probably imagine the stories of baby Jessica, and it was the days of bicycle helmets and car seats being all the rage. And in my mother's mind, the world was a very scary place for her two little girls. The only thing scary to me was my mother's anger 
but Mr. Fulham's words worked. And later that year, I had to write a report on someone special in my life. Everyone else did a picture of a parent, and I drew a picture of Mr. Fulham standing on the other side of our fence, interceding on our behalf. So is the world a scary place? The theme running through this scripture is being in the world, but not of the world. And Jesus mentions the evil one and asks God to protect his beloved disciples, whom he has come to love and care for in a parental way, when he comes back to them after the resurrection and he asks them if they have any fish. I noticed he says to them, my little children, do you ha have you caught any fish? He loves them like a parent loves children. And he's also turning to his father to pray for their safety and protection because the world can be a scary place. And so what he's praying for in this intercessory prayer is these two things. He's interceding on their behalf, on behalf of God, but he's also weaving in again and again with the spiraling language that he and God are one and that what he wants for our protection is that we may all be one. Does that sting a little bit this week again in the face of how divided we are? There were racist attacks in our town this past week. Two brothers in two separate incidents, these two teenage black youths were called racial slurs. And the resulting conversations that have been taking place in the town are further highlighting our divisions our unwillingness to face the work that needs to be done here in our town. Meanwhile, on the other side of the world, bombs and missiles lighting up the night, the heightening of the Israel-Palestine conflict, all these places where these stories take place in such turmoil and violence. Children being killed, death tolls rising. And somehow it seems even worse that the ways of the world, Jesus is making this distinction, the world isn't evil on its own, but being in the world as we all are isn't a bad thing. It's having, it's being of the world and that your value system is derived from the inadequacies and the injustices, the inequities that are entrenched in the world. Things like for-profit prisons, that people can become wealthy off the suffering of others and the pain of others. Systems that devalue people and to con continue to promote and reward those who are on the side of hate and division and violence. So if we turn to scripture today looking for a word of encouragement, I don't want us to come away with the sound that it's sort of just like a little pat on the head. Can't you all just get along? Can't you just be one? Like it's so simple and sweet. Can't you just all be one? And Jesus is holding up the Trinity as an example. As we are one, as he's praying to God, we are one. The Holy Spirit is one with Jesus and God the Father. Can't you all just be one? And can we? Or is this also Jesus modeling for us how to pray, how to turn to God? I think he knew that his disciples were going to model this behavior that he set out for them. They were going to mull it over and pour it out and wrestle through it as they grappled in their hearts for the way forward. And he's modeling how to be the intercessor. I think this is the best thing that we can take from this 
this, pr this prayer today is that we learn how to be that the one who intercedes on behalf of the one who needs it in that moment. Does it change the world to pray that we might be able to be an intercessor? Does it make changes in the lives of the ones we pray for when we stand here every week and we lift up one another's joys and concerns? Or does it change us because it brings us closer to God and it's out of that unity that we can act? So that when we do work to redeem the world, we do it as people who are trusting that Jesus is capable of working through us. Jesus lived his whole life as an intercessory prayer. I hope throughout the week, if you live close to Fairfield or in Fairfield, that you know that these doors are always open. And I invite you again, if you haven't before, to come make another tour around the back of the sanctuary, which we call the Web Room, and look again at the portraits of the faces of peace. And I invite you to think again about how these words of Jesus are inviting us to live like these people, to be those who would look hard at the divisions and the hatreds, what Jesus calls the evil one, wherever evil so shows up in our world, and model your life in some way on these people in the back of the room. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Coretta Scott King, the Dalai Lama, Harriet Tubman, come and meditate on their lives and think about how you can intercede for someone else. I'm going to close with the words again of the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. But there is one who takes our side, the one of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he, with mighty power to save, victorious o'er the grave. Christ will prevail, triumphant. May it be so. Thanks be to God. <laughs>